Hey, welcome to another episode of the Articulate Ox Podcast. I am your host, Soma79. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for joining me today. My guest is Todd Paris. He is a uh, podcaster, and he's a boxing coach, and he's someone who I've known for quite a long time. He's had a bunch of different um, stages of his career. He's a great example of somebody who decided that he was just going to chase his dream and make his life what he wanted it to be, and he set it on his way, and he did that, and he is there, and he is loving life. So definitely check out his episode. If you're looking for boxing instruction in the um, Massachusetts area, he'd be a great person to hit up at Lucky Punch Box. His information will be under his name on the podcast and it'll be in the show notes. He was my boxing coach for a little bit virtually over Zoom and he got me uh, where I wanted to go in a pretty short period of time. So thank you so much, Todd. Um, definitely check out his podcast as well. And uh, yeah, catch you next time. Welcome to the Articulate Ox podcast, where artists talk about the art to make them artistic. I think I got most of that right. Um, I am your host, Soma79. My guest today is boxing trainer and podcast host, Todd Paris. How are you doing, Todd? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Tim. No problem. Thank you very much for, uh, for joining me. Thank you for being the first person I've interviewed with a professional setup. So hopefully the post-production will be a little <laughs> easier this time. No shade on my previous guests. but That's um, funny. Yeah. So um, we've known each other for a long time. Um, we used to work at the same company back in the day. And it occurred to me that I think you were hired to replace me at some point. I think that's, what uh, you know, I think you're right. Yeah. So yeah, your decision to quit corporate right. America may have been influenced by uh, me opening up a job for you that made you want to quit. I don't know, yeah, but we'll yeah, get into yeah. that now. <laughs> so um, we, um, we're going to talk about a little Dead Poet Society. We're going to talk a little um, boxing training with Barry Robinson. And we're going to talk a little Howard Stern because you've got a very interesting journey here. And um, you're, we're going to talk about your path from corporate America to doing what you want to do, which I think is what a lot of people, a lot of people mm. want to find that path. So, um, yeah, let's kick it off a little bit. What, where, where do you want to begin? So I was thinking before we even begin, so I listened to a couple of the of your podcast there was one with kim and oh, there was kim one Tronic. kim Tronic, that was amazing and there was one with i forget the gentleman's name he was a magician oh eric burke eric burke that i i always wanted to be a magician as Me a too. kid i thought it was just a, i have i have one of my tattoos is a, ra a rabbit coming out of a hat um i just i love magic i think magic is the greatest so you you're very good at this Oh, thank you. Yeah, Appreciate they were it. really, it was, they were really engaging. Like I would, I listened to one after the, it was just really interesting and I really enjoyed the show. So you've got a, a really good thing going on here. Thanks. I appreciate it. Um, did you hear me talk about the, the trick that Eric did that broke my mind? Yes. With the, the, the bowling yeah. ball out of the briefcase. I can't think of that dude without thinking about that stupid bowling ball and that stupid group and just That's how right. effortlessly it was like, I can't figure out whether he planned on doing it the whole time or that he decided in the splits. It was so elegant. He had, he had to have it. planned it. I, there are a couple, I was going to start this off with a magic trick. I have a Go magic trick. I, 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 I didn't prepare. Okay. Usually it would be, it's a, a disappearing handkerchief. You have to, uh, you have to prepare for the trick because there's, you know, it's like he had said how magic isn't real, which I hate yeah. hearing. I know. Um, but you, you do, you have to prepare for it. So that, that was all set up. 
Yeah. The biggest disappointment for me in talking to him was, and we'll, we'll get to the topic at hand momentarily, is that he sort of confirmed to me that David Copperfield just said doubles. Mm-hmm. That like, and I'm like, ah, it's because with magic, you, when, when you do know how the trick is done, it's usually mm-hmm. almost kind of disappointing. Yeah. And, and it's because it's, it's the, it's so flimsy, usually the trick, but it just works. So this works so well, but I was like, ah, oh, that's kind of a letdown. It uh, it's, it's, it's always a letdown when you, when you learn how the trick is done. Yep. yep. 100%. Yep. So, all right. So let's talk a little bit about um, wh- how you landed where you are now, where, where you want to begin in your journey. So my journey, you know, it's funny in preparing for this, you and I, you know, you would, we would kind of converse over email and initially where it all started for me was, is really dead poet society and my friend Benny. Um, but really the journey I think officially starts as when, and this is kind of off topic a bit, the, the journey really starts when I had cancer. So I was working corporate America. Um, I'll give you the, the two cent version. I had gotten cancer, I had a tumor in my leg, had surgery. Um, and that sort of changed things for me. You know, I had gotten, the company I was working for was bought. And my job was moving to California. I didn't want to go to California. So I was on Cobra and I was having, uh, you know, surgery and radiation therapy. And that was sort of step one. During this time, my friend Benny, um, real name Mike Leonard, he works over at St. John's in Danvers. Big shout out to him. Uh, he was at the time working at Bose and Benny and I would always get together and just, we would go over martial arts. You know, he was such a huge influence on my entire life and being. He just was, and still is an incredible human being. Um, he was sending out letters to schools. He wanted, he, you know, he was in marketing. He wanted to teach and he had his lightning bolt sitting in the theater of Dead Poet Society. He was watching the movie and just wham, it just hit him like a lightning bolt in the chest that he needed to teach. And so he sent out resumes and he, he was a PhD student going for his, uh, going for his PhD in philosophy um, while doing marketing. And then he got a job teaching and it, that was his his calling his passion i had always thought i was supposed to be a business person i was supposed to be in marketing my mother was in marketing um that's what i'm supposed to do i didn't know i could do something else and the idea of i guess really the, the credit really is for this conversation about it's it's really benny that got me sort of thinking I can do something different too. Uh, and that was sort of the catalyst into my becoming a boxing trainer full time, as opposed to continuing on in corporate America and getting, getting jobs, getting laid. You know how it is in marketing. Marketing's always the first to go. And I was, I was cutting my teeth in a career when there was nothing but layoffs going on. Right. And marketing when you started is probably a lot different than it is now. Oh, it's so different now. Right. It's like when marketing now, if you work in a marketing department at a regular company, there's probably about four or five things that you get to do that are, you know, sort of baked into your job. And then there's a bunch of other things you hypothetically could do if you wanted to spend the money and likely not get the return. And those are the more fun things. Yeah, I had so no the it, joy of it's kind of been sucked. I had no interest in it to to be to be good at your job. I always find to be good at something you've got, you've got to study it. 
So, you know, with marketing, it was, oh, we have to learn about SEO marketing, this, that, the, and I just had no interest. I'm like, it doesn't interest me. I don't want to learn it. I don't want to do it. And so I, I, I didn't and I wouldn't. And then with, you know, getting into boxing, it was like, you know, all the research, all the studying, all the, the different classes and lessons and conversations and, and ass whoopings and um, tutorials, you know, all of it was like, it was, it didn't feel like work, but it was, you know, thousands and thousands of hours of work and study and, and doing, um, but it never felt that way. It was just like, I was just obsessed with it. Yeah, it's funny. It's, I really appreciate what you said about how this is really about your friend, Benny, because it's funny. The first guest they had in this podcast was my friend, John, who writes for um, Screen Rant. And he's some he's a friend of mine who I, I knew him from film school. And he sort of just kept doing his own thing for years and writing and having different jobs. And then all of a sudden he's like, I'm just going to go for it. Mm. And he got a job at Screen Rant. Now he's written for them like 4,000 articles. He got them their a partnership or like a relationship with AEW Wrestling. So now he gets to cover all that stuff and interview all That's them. Cool. And he was on the he was on at Picard um, red carpet the other day interviewing Cody Rhodes. And I'm just like, wow. And he's one of those people that every step of the way, I'm like, if John can do it, I can do it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it was what? what a, sorry. No, that's, that's all I had. <laughs> yeah, it was what it was. It was it was just, you know, Benny, Benny can do anything. He's one of those guys that just he can do anything. And he did it. And, uh, and, you know, it was, it was just something I, I never, ever thought I could do anything like that. And so, you know, him being that trailblazer and doing it really motivated me and inspired me and just it was a blueprint on what to do. Yeah. So I had no idea, you know, how do you go from marketing to being a boxing trainer? There was no blueprint. I had no idea. Right, right. And then have somebody who maybe shows you a path. It's just, yeah. you know, a lot of what I talk about here on the podcast, too, is about like, no matter what you're in, there's like a, it's like a pyramid. Every, the people at the very bottom are the ones that think about doing it. And the ones that are all above them where there's less of them are the people who actually do it. And then mm -hmm. the ones above them ones that stick through it. And then it's like, as you go, you're competing with less and less people. So mm. it's that's really what I sometimes use to motivate myself where I'm like, I've already gotten this far. I've already beaten all these people who have given up. I don't want to be another person who gives up, especially mm. now when it's like I'm competing against less people or competing against less people at my skill level. Right. You know? right. There's always new people starting, but they're not really the same type of competition. That's the same motivation thing that keeps me going. I'm like, I've already gone this far and there's already yeah. so many other people who've given up and I you know, I don't want to, I don't want to be that to somebody else. I've always seen, there's a comic that I saw where it's, it's a guy like digging a tunnel and then right at the, he, he, he gives up and there's like gold at the end. And then there's the other guy that's just with the pitchfork and he's just, he just keeps going and going and going. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there, it's like, the thing is like, when you give up on your passion, you, most people replace it with something much worse. They replace mm. it with, I don't know, like television or like, I don't know. I don't want to say family. <laughs> That's probably the wrong thing to say. <laughs> family but might like, be the wrong thing to say. Yeah. But like, I mean, it's not like if you give up a passion, I you know, you should replace it with another passion. I think there's a lot of people who, I think you see this a lot with, with people who retire from sports and they don't, they don't have a plan Yeah. because like, you know, they tend to like maybe gain a lot of weight or just don't really know what to do. And, um, you know, I think, I think it's more that i think it's that people don't know what to do that you know it's you know i know in my own experience it was this is what you're supposed to do this is what you're supposed to be and 
I didn't want, you know, I thought that's what I wanted. I, I, you know, I, I always had these little, these not escape hatches, but like little things that can you look back on and go, well, no, did you really like, I look at, did I really want to be in business? I majored in philosophy in college. Right. You know, that's not what a business professional majors in. Um, so I had all these little things that kind of were indicators. I, I sort of, a, a terrible analogy with it is, you know, the, I've lived the closeted life of someone different. Like I, I was hiding from myself really what I wanted to do and who I wanted to be. I and I thought, that, yeah. I thought I had to be and do a certain thing and that just wasn't the case. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned that because I, I moved out to Western Mass uh, at the beginning of the pandemic. And like I had already thought that I was done living in that closeted version of who I was supposed to be. Mm. And then I realized even just moving like 50 miles away and having a little bit more freedom, I realized, oh, no, I was still living that. Like there was still another version of me that wasn't ready to kind of like come out and exist yet. Right. Of, and it's like that's it's it's yeah, it's a keen observation. It's, it's a lot of people. Like I, I have this thing when I look at LinkedIn and I see people post these super excited things about how their share, their like, you know, ROI has gone from 7.6 to 8.2. And what a kick-ass rock star team. I'm just like, I mean, you you people are faker than anything on like reality TV. And I'm just like, and you're getting, I, it drives me bonkers. I'm like the fake enthusiast. I'm like, it's God bless if that's really what revs your engine. But I, right. I just, um, I don't know. Yeah, I, that's all. It's 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 far in the May. Yeah, yeah, it's it's bizarre. It's a weird type of posture. But um, so with Dead Poets Society, so with you, did you see it around the same time? Oh yeah, yeah, I I saw it around the same time. So and this is when it came out. I'm assuming. Right? I forget what year it came out. I think it came I, out like maybe like early ninety one, ninety two. I I, think, I, know, I, I didn't see it till I was later. I can't remember if I was finishing high school or if I was in college already. I do remember. You know, it's all sort of, there's a certain blur of like five years. Yeah. And I know that I was, so one thing, I was fresh out of rehab at one point. And Benny was one of the first friends I made who wasn't, you know, wasn't involved in the drug world of the drinking world. He was, he was a regular person. Yep. And, and he wasn't in AA either. He was just a person that I met. And those people that you didn't even know existed before. Yeah. Like those people that just don't like never think to do these things that, you know, other people decide it's going to be their whole lives. You're like, oh yeah, those people are probably out there. And he, we were, we were driving somewhere. We we had a a couple of interactions. We we were driving home. He was dropping me off and he's driving. He just looked over at me and he's like, you and I are going to be very good. We're going to be best friends. We're going to be really great friends. I know this. And I looked at him and it was one of those conversations that I've only had, you know, high or drunk with someone like never sober. I didn't. Know, and again, I didn't know. I didn't know that you could do these kind of things. I didn't know I was allowed to. I thought you had to, you know, again, it, it, as I'm it's kind of coming to me now, it's sort of a revelation of there's so many times in my life where I think it's supposed to be thing A and it doesn't have to be that I'm, I'm a very sort of, I guess, siloed thinker with some things. Um, and I remember being, you know, to me, Benny is always like Professor Keating from Dead Poet Society. The whole, the whole idea of even just saying Dead Poet Society, and I get goosebumps and I think of Benny, and it's just how 
just he just changed my world over and over again. Is he still in your life now? Yeah. Benny, I think every now and then we'll send each other the stupidest text, just something like ridiculous, like a line from um, the movie, The Untouchables. Yeah. Um, you know, I'll, I'll type in the address, 1492 Racine. That was where, if you remember The Untouchables, he opens the matchbook yeah. and that was the address that Sean Connery lived at. Um, or just, just stupid things, or, you know, every now and then it's a serious, like, I love you. I miss you. How, you know, but we, Alice, my girlfriend's always like, so how is Benny? Do you ever, I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Oh, what's he? I'm like, I don't know. And I'm like, but I do know, you know, and there's something stupid that Benny had sent me that day. Yeah. It is funny how, as we get older, different people just like, there's, there's friends of mine that I've known for 20 years. And if you ask me what they did for work. I could maybe mumble out like I don't know something with email, like yeah, you know. that's and that's funny. actually how my parents describe my job. <laughs> but then it's like there's other things you know about them so well, and then you have those friends that are online that you may never even meet, but for some reason you talk to them about your problems. Like I have a few. Yeah. It's it's bizarre how like these are relationships that couldn't really exist 20, 30 years ago. Yeah. And now we're the first generation really experiencing that. So. Yeah, that that is neat. That is a neat. That is neat. Yeah, yeah, it's it's funny. I have a I have a friend who's coming over here tonight to help me shoot. I'm working on a film to go with an album I'm putting out. We're shooting some videos this weekend, and um, we used to always text each other, "Where's the trigger, Joker?" from the movie Yoga Hosers. <laughs> it's that, like, what pretty much is regarded as Kevin Smith's worst movie that we love. And there's oh, this part with so his funny. daughter just like, "Where's the trigger, Joker?" And we just like <laughs> texting each other for years. See, I love that. I love those those things. Just those yeah. stupid little. Those stupid little, another buddy of mine, Damon, will be, you know, we have a thing where it's like, Fenna, no, $5, yeah. do, and then the most ridiculous thing, like, I'll give you $5 if you, and it's the most ridiculous thing. And, you know, I'm always broke, so it's all, it's always really fun. I'm like, well, you know, I could really use that $5, so... <laughs> um yeah it's 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 funny i'm one of those people who repetition is extremely funny for me as well like yeah. um you know some you ever watch mr show no but it's uh, david cross and uh yeah, bob, bob whose name yeah. i can't pronounce yeah yeah you gotta check that out at some point there's one sketch where i don't want to ruin it for you but i okay. literally when it first it involves repetition um it's called the story of everest and i um it's about a guy who climbed everest and I literally, when I watched it the first time, I something happens repeatedly. I said to my friend, I'm like, I'm going to have to leave the room if that happens again, because I'm going to laugh harder than my body can actually <laughs> handle. Right. And it did. And I had to leave the room because I thought I was going like, to blow a funny fuse. Oh, that's so funny. And I go upstairs and I turn on the TV in his, in his living room. And the first thing on was, this was, I was like years out of high school. It was my high school baseball coach presiding over like a Senate, like a selectman meeting in town. And I was laughing, started laughing even harder. We were, we were pretty oh high. My God. Like, we were about as high as I got. But it was literally the hardest I ever laughed in my life to the point that I might hurt myself. <laughs> the danger out there, kids. That's Don't so funny. The other day, careful about laughing. Yeah, I know. I mean, I, it was. I can. I can still feel it in my chest. Oh, that's so funny. And then I've shown it to some people, and they're like, "That, that the Mister Show skips some people, and they're just like, what is wrong?'" I hate with that. You? Yeah, I hate that. I'll show something yeah. like, I'll do that. Like, I, I, I'm addicted to TikTok, and I'll find the stupidest things. And I'm like, "Oh, Alice, look at this!" And she's like, "You're an idiot." Like, yeah. There's a little bit of that going on in my house too. <laughs> I'm like, I just because I, I, funny is funny. Yeah. You know, yeah. if it's funny, I don't, I, I, it's, I love funny. So if it's funny, I'm in. Yeah. There's a guy named Milo the cat on Instagram who's his whole yeah. thing is he, yeah. In like, of I'm course. Like, I, 
I repost this all the time on Instagram. Like, there must be some people who just think I'm insane because there's be some people who think this is so absurd. But I, it just, there was one absolutely with Method Man in the Flash the other day that was got me really happy. They are, there's, they are absolutely brilliant. I forget which ones that I've seen that I've just, that like stuck with me, but I love, I got a friend of mine that sends me Milo the Cat all the time. They're yeah. just There's a Biggie brilliant. and Barney one that's that's pretty big. And there's one, <laughs> there's one for um, So What She's Saying by the Beastie Boys with um, okay. Muppets. That, that's, uh, that's funny. Yeah. Any, anything Muppets I'm in. Yeah, yeah. I love so, Muppets. So oh, I love the Muppets too. It's like the Muppets, the thing I love about the Muppets is that like, there is a suspension of disbelief there where I'm watching it and I'm just kind of accepting that these things exist in the world. But it's yeah. really, when you look at it behind the scenes, it's a really quite flimsy, like suspension of disbelief. Like it's like, and yeah. it's pretty impressive what they're able to do. It's, you ever see the Saturday Night Live sketch where Kermit is singing with Justin Timberlake? No. This is amazing. They're sing so it's a sketch and they're singing a song together. But the guy who's playing Kermit is like I forget the details, but he's somehow like like nudging into Justin Timberlake, and they start sort of like kind of like getting into it, and then it becomes an all-out brawl between the guy playing Kermit <laughs> and Justin Timberlake. That's funny. He's <laughs> so fucking hilarious. That is really funny. Yeah. So um, so so what? Where you actually got to the point where you wanted to make, where you wanted to quit and move on? Like, mm -hmm. what, what were the factors in your life that led to that decision? So it's not even. I wish I could say, you know, I made, I decided I left corporate America. I quit. It was, I just kept losing jobs. I, w I was working as a temp um, and I just, I, I'd be close to getting hired. And they're like, well, you know, we, we're going to go with another candidate. And it's like, oh, okay, great. Um, and just finally, I was working at monster.com and I was a temp and like, some of my office mates decorated my cube with Miley Cyrus stuff because I had somehow, for some reason, I admitted that I like Party in the USA. Oh, Party like, in the oh, USA is played. It's a, a great lot. song. If you look at my Spotify wrap of the NBA, it's always on there. <laughs> I love that. It's a great song. It's, it's about as so, good as songs get. They decorated my cube with Miley Cyrus stuff, which I thought was hysterical. But you know, being the age that I am or was at the time and having my, it just, it yeah. didn't play well with some of the people in the office and someone reported me. Oh my so God. I got called into my manager's office and they were like, you know, well, the Miley Sorry stuff has to come down. I'm like, oh, you know, okay. And they're like, you, sh you shouldn't have put that up. And I didn't want to like sell out, you know, or yeah. rat the, you know, I'm like, oh, I, I didn't, uh, okay, I'll take it down. Um, and then I think it was like later that week I was, let go more oh, or less and i'm like oh, i'm just so done with this yeah and i was doing i was doing boxing training on the side to make a little money i was one of the places i was working at the first place it was a glass blowing company and they would would do either students would come in and blow glass or it was just like a, bla a glass blowing studio and on the other side was sort of this abandoned crossfit gym and the owner of the glass blowing studio, I don't even know how I found this guy, but somehow he was like, do you, you know, do you want to teach some boxing here? And I was like, yeah. At the glass blowing studio? At the glass, <laughs> in the CrossFit. Where, where, yeah, do you think of that too? It was, it was on the other side in this it's like bull meets China shop. <laughs> right? It was in this abandoned uh, CrossFit gym. So it was just this empty warehouse type of place. They had one heavy bag and it was like a shitty canvas heavy bag. And I'm like, yeah. And that was, I, I was doing that on the side, had a couple of people. It was great. 
And then I'm like, God, I, I just love doing it. I'm like, and then that's when the whole thing with Benny and like, you know, the, the little voice that send the letters, send the letters. And I'm like, yeah, yeah I'm going to, uh, I want to, I want to do this full time. And then I remember check I, for some reason, I hope I'm not so much that way anymore. I'm sure I am. I'm going to say, I hope not just so I can sound cooler than I actually am. I'll tell you if you are. All right. <laughs> I, it's, I, I'm, I'm one of those people that need permission. I don't know why. And I know, I think it's why I've had it. You get permission from yourself. And it's like, okay, yeah, great. Right. Um, but like, I just, I need permission. And I remember checking with my family. Um, go, it was Rosh Hashanah dinner. We were sitting around the table and I was just like, listen, I'm thinking about being a boxing trainer full time. And, you know, I'm waiting, I'm waiting for like, just all hell to break loose. Right. And they were all like, what a great idea. We think you should, that's a great idea. I was like, okay. And boom, then, then I was off and running. It's funny too. I think I, I can relate to what you just said, because I think when I think about telling my parents about stuff like that in my life, mm -hmm. I put myself back into how they'd react if I was saying it when I was 14 or 15. Mm. But they've already seen that whatever age I'm at now, I guess almost 44, that, oh, if he, they, I, I don't do the math for them that they're going to be like, well, if he's at this age and he's already been able to prove he can do these things, I'm sure he mm. can do it. We'll just support him. Right. And it's, it's really easy. I got in that same thing where I'm almost like, what's somebody going to say? Yeah. And I think that was one of those things I finally was able to ditch when I moved out here is that I don't mm. really care what anybody says. I, I have a lot of that where I don't, you know, I don't care what people think and I don't care what people say it. I do have lines where that's not the case. And right, I'm like, right. I hate when I, when I come up to one of those lines, I'm like, Oh, I do care. Damn it. I don't yeah. want to care. Like, how do I deal with this? <laughs> yeah. 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 I and was, then there's certain people who I do care what they think, but it's, it's, um, yeah. you know, yeah, I was those. yesterday I was getting a tattoo and What'd you get? I got a, uh, a, a, I got a black Panther. So, like uh, Wakanda forever or just, or like, a. you know, it, it's actually, it's too sore to roll up the sleeve and show right okay. now. No um, no, it's, it's like a, a classic. I, uh, I can, I can kind of picture something on a shirt that Roddy Piper might have wore at some point. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. Something like that. That's yeah. really funny. Something like that. It's a very classic sailor Jerry type of old school yep. tattoo. That's cool. Um, I, like I, that. I absolutely love it. So as we're, you know, she's drawing it on and as we're, we're getting ready to do the printing of uh, the, the actual tattoo, she like did something goofy with the eye. And so he, it looks like he got hit by a truck. Um, and I'm like, you can't leave it there. She's like, and then, you know, we were laughing and joking. And then long story short, I think it's on my mic. long story short, it, um, we're making fun. The, the, Leopard is, ma the, is making fun of, I have a tiger tattoo. Yeah. So it's, it just has this goofy face and it's saying, ooh, I'm a tiger. It's really, really funny. And I'm like, I can, you know, my thing is, I can't have that. People are going to ask me, it's going to look stupid. Right. And then I'm like, you know what? I don't, it was one of those things I'm like, at that line, I'm like, I don't care. And so we went for it. It's, it's a terrible story, but it was no. really funny and but it was one of those moments of like i care what's what what people are going to say what people are going to think but i liked it too because it, it you know i'm trying to get this really cool black panther tattoo yeah. and you know 
and be all. And it's just like, I'm not like that. And so it was, it, it just, it fits perfectly. And I'm, I'm really happy with it. It's funny. All my tattoos are pretty nerdy or most of mine are mm. like, I have like a little thing on my leg. I'm trying to do like a band, like a carousel of like stuff I mm -hmm. dig. And it's like an owl from American dad, a Wu-Tang thing, spy versus spy. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Space oh my God. Thing. Spy. You have a spy versus spy. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm that's like, awesome. Back of my heel. I love spy versus spy. It's just, spy I think it's, spy is the it's, greatest. It's brilliant. It's just, yeah. Yeah. It is absolutely brilliant. Yeah. So, and I'm sorry, an owl from Family Guy. Not from American, not family, Dad. American Dad. I don't remember an owl. There was only in like one episode. So I have okay. a Twin Peaks tattoo right below it. And I was like, I wanted to get, if you've ever seen Twin Peaks, owls are part of the lore of that show. Okay. And I wanted to get an owl too. And I just saw one in an episode. I'm like, oh, I'm going to get that. So it'll kind of have a dual meaning. But Very cool. I'm getting the Space Ghost one on the front with um, Danger Ghost. Doom's uh, face over it from like, oh, a Fader magazine cover. That's very cool. Okay. Yeah. But it's like, they're just, you know, but the thing is, I, I just come up with a couple of other episodes with people where um, when I get a tattoo, people, some people don't get tattoos. Like, what if you regret it? And I'm like, when right. I get a tattoo, literally within a few hours, it's like it was always there. If It's my brain right. does this weird thing that integrates yeah. it, where it's just sort of like, I was even looking at the other day, I'm, I'm still working on getting it finished and it's not, everything's not placed. There's like spaces I don't like. I'm mm -hmm. like, some people probably look at this and think it's absolutely ridiculous, but I'm like, I still just accept it as part of me and I love it. And I can't, and I didn't start getting tattoos until I was like 38. I was late in life getting. I, I was, I was, I was late in life as well. I was, uh, I think I was close to 40. I think I might have been 38 as well when yeah. I started getting them. And then it's like you know, it's people when you get them when you're like 18, like we have to live with that your whole life. Now right. it's like I don't have to live with this for half my life. You stupid. <laughs> like, I always think of it as like an excavation where it's it's there, and then the tattoo artist pulls it out of the you know like chisels away all the gunk that's in the way and then you're left with this beautiful stained glass window yeah yeah there's an episode actually is coming out next week which by the time this airs will have been like weeks and weeks ago with um this artist ashley renee and we she does all this swirl art and she started getting mm -hmm. it tattooed on her body and i was like she needs someone i i didn't really know why she did that but like um i figured maybe she want to talk about it on the podcast and what she talked about was that she was somebody who cut herself like she was a oh cutter. wow and she wanted the tattoos to cover her scars because she knew that she, even though she would cut her body, she wouldn't cut her own art. Oh, and I was wow. Like, wow. That's, wow. that's, that's, that's impactful. You know? Wow. That's yeah. impactful. Yeah. So wow. food for thought. Um, so check out that episode 10 of the Tickle Ox podcast with Ashley Riddick. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about, so how did you kind of get things going? Because, you know, obviously you felt like you had the permission to start doing, being a boxing coach, but then of course there's the reality of it. Um, I've known a lot of people who are going to quit their jobs, become an artist. And a lot of them are back at those jobs. How did you not become one of those people? I honestly, I don't know. I really don't know. <laughs> I've gotten incredibly, you know, incredibly lucky. Um, I was I just slowly started to get more clients. Uh, my big break was there was a gym in Needham. It's no longer in existence called VO2 Max. And I was, I was doing a, a part-time gig at Hanscom Air Force Base. I was working for my first boxing coach, uh, Gregory Liskishin. And I was working for him at Hanscom. He got a job over at VO2. So he was closing down the Minuteman Boxing Club at Hanscom. Was Hanscom, I, was that just, was that military people that yeah, were? Yeah, yep. Yep, that was Hanscom Military Base in Lexington. Um, great, great place, great people, and I had, had a great time there. And it was ending. 
And I was like, you know, okay. Um, and then I kept, he was like, I want you to come and try to get a job at VO2. And then one of their trainers, you know, in the fitness industry, trainers can be very flighty and a little flaky. Yeah. Um, it's sort of, know, it's kind of like a real estate type job. Some people mm -hmm. kind of treat it that way where it's like, oh, anybody can do this, you know, right. and then some people are going to be really good at it, and some people end up being a total pain in the ass. Right. I, you know, I come at it with, I come at part of it with a marketing strategy. Um, and also, I guess I come at it from a different angle. I think because I got into it so late, uh, I just, I come at it differently. Yeah. You're bringing I, sort of wisdom about how business yeah, works. I hate, yeah, yeah. Yeah. More That's or less. Very yeah. So I went in long story short, met with the owner. We went out to lunch. It was a very good and productive lunch. I knew what he wanted for his gym and I could, you know, I could talk what he was talking about and he, I think he liked that and he gave me a shot. And th that was it. It was, I was a full-time boxing trainer. Uh, and then that place went out of business. And so I had to, and then I had to do the struggle all over again. And I was working at the ring in Boston. Um, and I try, I started up a rock steady boxing program. Rock steady is a program for Parkinson's. And I started up doing a class, uh, at Boston boxing and fitness for parkinson's and that i've been doing it for years now um and that bob great place ed lavash the owner fan one of the greatest human beings you'd ever meet um and so just building these little things and so i talked about maybe getting my own gym at some point and it just i don't know that i ever will and it seems like the business model that i have is sort of going from gym to gym and uh, this, it was described to me once by, uh, another boxing trainer, Matt Nolan. And Matt was, it was the coolest description. He's like, oh yeah, he's like a hired gun. Yeah. You know, goes and I'm like, that's the cool, I'm going to put that on my business. Journeyman like, trainer too is also some cool way of putting it. That's the coolest way. Like I, I met a bunch of different places and I've been able to, it's hard to grow, but I've been able to maintain and it, it grows slowly. Right. So it's, sure it's always been meeting a, new people too. I mean, that, yeah. that helps. Yeah. It's been, I mean, a, it's been what, a lot of luck. I mean, you just mentioned numerous gyms that, um, you worked at that don't exist anymore. So it doesn't sound like owning a gym is necessarily the right. um, best business right. proposal for, yeah. you know, especially and, and, now I think fitness places are kind of in a flux in general. You know? and, and my thing too, is because I, I have such PTSD of the, of things falling apart of companies going out of business or selling or yeah. getting laid off. And it's just, I have such PTSD of that, that I, I want to make sure that no matter what happens, I'm always doing something. I'm always covered. Yeah. Yeah. Being able to know that you can take care of yourself is, um, yeah, it's a skill that it's, it's a, it's a question. A lot of people can't answer for themselves, honestly, mm. you know, it's, um, it's definitely good to know that about yourself. Yeah. So, um, so, so you, you did that for a while. So the next person I want to talk about was, um, Barry Robinson, boxing trainer. Um, mm -hmm. what's your connection with Barry? So I've never met Barry. I start, I don't even know how I discovered Barry. Barry's very recent that I've, I've, he's coming to my orbit or that I've discovered him. He's been around for a long time. A lot of people do not like this man. He, I got that impression when I did a little Google. <laughs> yeah. A lot. He just, he is very abrasive. Uh, very honest, 
and a lot of people don't like him. I'm fascinated by him and I'm a, I'm obsessed with his teachings. It's funny. I have the same relationship with CM Punk. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> He's basically like very abrasive and a lot of people don't like him. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's just, there's like, there's, there's something about abrasive people that yeah. I just, that I, I find fascinating. Yeah. Um, his big thing is one of his big things are footwork. And when I first got, you know, boxing is hard in that there's not a lot of teachers. So there's no one that can really teach you how to be a coach or a trainer. You sort of people either during their journey, you know, as fighters, they pick it up from their coach or they become assistant coaches and they, they go that path. Um, or you, you know, you, you glean what you can from being in the gyms and you create your own sort of right. system. Um, and you're the right type of, of athlete too. Cause it's like, mm -hmm. it's, it's like, if you're like the Tom Brady's of the world and the Ted Williams of the world, it's hard to teach something that almost comes so naturally. Yeah. You have to be that certain type of person who like really is analytical in the way that you're learning. it. I think to some degree, and that yeah, you're it, observant it, it, of what's around you, you're absorbing, it, you know, the energy. it's a, it's a hard thing, especially bot, you know, there's a lot of, one of the bits of wisdom that I, I picked up was uh, Smokin' Joe Frazier trained his son, Marvis. Marvis fought Mike Tyson. Joe trained him to fight like Joe, didn't train him to fight like Marvis. And it was a slaughter. Tyson just took him apart. And it was, you know, because Joe was like, no, you got to fight this way. And it just, it wasn't the right way for him. And I'm like, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to, you know, I have a certain style, but I'm not going to teach that style. If someone fits that, then yes. But my thing was always what, you know, I want to discover and uncover what that particular boxer has. Um, my thing was, I was never very good at footwork. I could do footwork. I couldn't teach footwork to save my life. Um, with Barry Robinson is huge on footwork. And I've been, you know, I've been doing this for, I'm terrible at math, so I'm not even going to hazard a guess. Um, I, I started my own company in 2015. So Lucky Punch Boxing. Um, so we'll say 2015, I've, I've been on my own doing it. And I've never really been one for fancy footwork or like decent footwork drills. So discovering Barry, I've been learning amazing things about footwork and it's just, I've, I've just been obsessed. So I've been doing it. I have my Parkinson's people doing it. I have my amateur boxers doing it. I have my uh, special needs classes. I have them do it. So I have them doing, everyone's doing footwork stuff. Um, and it was just, it's, I, I can't, you know, you know, when you get into something, you just, you're obsessed with it and you just want to keep yeah. learning more and more and more and more mm -hmm. and more. And that's, that's where I am. I'm in it right now. I'm like, I'm in the thick of it and just can't get enough of him. Can't get enough of him. Can't get enough of the teachings. Um, I absolutely love it. Are you seeing better results out of your students? Yeah. So I have a fighter right now. So if this comes out in May, I have a fighter who has his first amateur fight in May. So I'm doing a thing for Haymakers for Hope. It's a two cent version of that. It's think of the Jimmy Fund walk, but with punches to the face. So they do, it's a charity event. You know, it's people who've never boxed before, either never boxed or never had an amateur fight. So they train for four months, they raise money, and then it culminates in a fight night. So with him, I'm, my whole training modality is different. I'm training him in a completely different way that I've trained anybody else. Um, started with his footwork, 
and it, it's just footwork, footwork, footwork. And then, you know, I'll add layers. Like Barry's big in adding layers. And I'm like, okay, I'm gonna, yeah, me too. I'm gonna add layers. So I've been adding layers to his footwork. So my what, thing what is- What does that mean, add layers to your footwork? Add layers, so if you think, if you think of a cake, yep. you know, you have your cake and then you have a layer of chocolate, then you have your other, la- you know, you just keep adding things onto it. And with him, I've added in, so we started with footwork and now we're at footwork with head movement. Okay. Then yeah. we're going to have footwork, head movement, and punches. Footwork, head movement, punches, counter punches. Uh, and then we just keep building. There are, so it's, there are it's almost two... like a way, you have to, it's almost like, it's not as rigid, but almost like learning choreography. Like you learn, it's like, it's harder than you think to go like this. Like, right. it's like, yeah, and then yeah, when yeah. you're actually yeah, yeah. trying to not to get hurt, there's a whole yeah. other element to it. Yeah, no, it's exactly right. It's exactly right. And, you know, if you think of it, the way I think of it too is if, if you're trying to learn an accent, I remember a buddy of mine was trying to work on his Jamaican accent and he had one sentence that he would go to. Sure, surely it must be a constellation to you. That was probably the worst Jamaican accent. That, that sounded a little Irish. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, but either way, it's do totally it, offensive. Either way. Yeah. Either way, it's offensive. Um, but he, he would go into, he'd have a, a, a sentence that he would go to and then and then create off of that. So what I'm trying to do is give, give my guy two go-to sentences. So two distinct styles of footwork um, to go to, to, and then to build off of. So you have your inside sort of moving around, then you have your outside moving around as well, and then building off of that. So it's, it's just, it's, it's been really exciting and really fun. So considering that none of these people that are in this tournament or, or, or fighting that night have ever fought before, what it, what's it like training somebody to fight against somebody who you have no idea what skill level they're really at? It's, it, it's hard because one of the things that Haymakers does so well, they have a halfway sparring day. So four months of training, at month number two, they get together for media day where they do videos and things like that. And you get to spar with your opponent. You do two rounds. And that way, the haymakers folks can determine, oh, my God, this is we got to change this fight or, OK, this can go on. So you get an idea. So it's never an unsafe, relatively speaking. It's never like a mismatch. Yeah, uh, after that halfway point, then you have an idea as to specifics of how to train your fighter. But up until then, it, it's hard because, you know, they, they're new. You don't know who they're up against. And in the amateurs, you never really know who you're up against. Right. So you want to, for me, and, and again, this leads back to Benny. Benny had all, when we were doing martial arts, Benny had switched dojos. He wanted to go with another instructor who... Long and short of it, he wanted the fight, lack of a better word, he wanted to be able to defend himself against someone of his skill level or better. And that stuck with me. And so I try to train my boxers to be able to deal with a southpaw, an orthodox, a brawler, a this, a that, whatever it is, we're going to have, de- you know, we're going to develop tools of how to deal with it. And you're going to be able to do different things. Orthodox Southpaw, I believe in not limiting a boxer to just being one way. So right. it, you it's need a like, backup. You need, you need a backup plan. It's, it's not, not even a backup plan, but just you should be able to do both. You know, right. why, why is it in, it's, 
in baseball, if you have a, a fielder or a pitcher, if you have a pitcher that can pitch regular or left-handed, that picture's awesome. He could do right. both. So, like, fighters should be able to do the same. Mixed I can martial- draw with my right and left hand. I totally know That's a saying. skill. Yeah. Mixed martial arts, I think, has it right because that's what they do. They, they, they're, they're, they're not locked into one stance. Yeah. And I think that's for boxing. I think, and again, this is some of the stuff that Barry talks about as well. So it was nice to find a kindred spirit and it, into that sort of thing. Yeah. I, I won't rant too long. I could rant forever about all of it. No, hey, go be my guest. Rant away. <laughs> um, so, so how did so the podcast, which you started pretty recently, mm-hmm. how did that come about? Is that something you've been thinking about for a long time? Yeah, I. Yeah, I've always I, I love the idea of a podcast. Um, I remember when I was in corporate, I, I one of the things I would do was I would moderate webinars. And I enjoyed that, like I enjoyed sort of narrating or directing um, and being being interactive with something going on. I like the idea of a podcast too. I love boxing and I wanted to do a boxing podcast. I have no idea how to start one. You know, again, it goes back to, you know, I don't know how to do it. Right. Um, the technical side of it, the editing and all that beyond me. So I'm like, well, the podcast I want to do is about boxing and I, I want to make it in a, a sort of niche about boxing and overcoming adversity. Um, and I liked the idea. I got into boxing because I had cancer. So there was something there. So I went to the people, the haymakers, and I pitched them the idea of doing a podcast about fighting and cancer. Uh, and they came up with a format for a podcast about fighting and cancer. So it's a really exciting podcast. Uh, not every fight ends at the bell and out, out now. And, um, yeah, it's it's been a fantastic experience. And part of two, there are some people over at Boston Boxing that I'm there doing my classes and they're there sparring or I see them on fight nights and I have so many questions for them. And one of the things I wanted to do is I wanted to start a podcast so I could talk to them yeah. because, I, you know, I, I'm uncomfortable talking to, to people. That's funny. Um, that's one of the things that I'm secretly doing this too. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Yeah, because it's, it's just a way of, you know, if it's a podcast, I have so many questions. I'm, I'm really curious. And boxing something I love talking about. And I want to talk to people about boxing. And it's a way, like, it was a way of, like, I, one of the things with the, the Haymakers podcast was, regardless of what would happen with that, it was sort of my way to get this going so that then I could do something where I could talk to these other people to ask the questions that I've been dying to ask them. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I, I can totally relate to that. It, it, it's just like, I feel like with every guest I get, you know, I get closer and closer to talking to somebody who I've been really into for years. Mm-hmm. And you're just, it's exciting when you realize, Oh, like, there's a, like you got these conversations used to only exist in my head. And I don't, that mm-hmm. means I, I only got my own insight. But now I'd actually get to have real conversations with people that are passionate about things. It's, it definitely changes your outlook on things. That's what I, what, what I really liked about your podcast is so genuine. Like you are genuinely interested in your guests. You, your questions are all genuine. You're really good too at keeping things on track. Um, but you could tell it's like you, 
it, you're not doing it just to do a podcast. Like you're genuinely interested in this. It, 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 it fills that need. It's really neat. Yeah. I try to approach it with a certain earnestness where I'm yeah, just you, like, you I'm, definitely have that. I appreciate that, man. It's, um, it's been, it's been, I thought about doing a podcast for a long time, but never really had an idea. I always assumed I would just do it by myself, but I'm just, mm. I tried a few that I recorded and, and didn't release. And I'm like, it's a lot of me. And really my voice hurt by the end. I get that. I, I also, I was like, I don't want to do a podcast where it's just me talking. Like, I, I, I don't want to do that. Like I, 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 yeah, no, I'm more interested in what other people have to say or the, or just my questions to them. Yeah. I haven't thought the beginning of each episode of mine, I'd probably talk for like 10 minutes or so. And now it's cut down to like every, every episode gets shorter. <laughs> it's like, now it's like 30 seconds. I'm like, all right, well, going in, you know? Yeah. Next up. Yeah. Talk um, Paris. Here we go. So what, 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 how, what were the first couple episodes of your podcast that are, that are out now? Like what, who did you talk to? What, so the, how the conversations, the first, the first ever episode is it's myself and the two co-founders of Haymakers for Hope, Andrew Meyerson and Julianne Kelly. And the, so it's just the three of us, you know, introducing ourselves to the, to the audience and asking each other some questions. Cause I was really excited too, because, you know, Andrew, I don't really know Andrew. I've known Andrew since 2012 and I don't really know Andrew. And so I was really looking forward to, to talking with him. And, you know, one of my questions that I did ask, which I'll, I'll drop a little, that was what it was edited out. Um, I had asked him, I'm like, cause Andrew worked for Goldman Sachs and then he started Haymakers for Hopes with Julie. And I'm like, what did your parents think? Like, you know, that's cause that's such a thing with me right. that I was like, so here you are, you're working for Goldman Sachs. That's a big get, that's a job, man. And then you leave that because maybe you could do something in a charity boxing event. Like what'd your parents think? Um, and so like, I was, it was like questions like that, that I was super interested in. Yeah. So it's, 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 it's a good podcast. Then we, what did his so, parents think? Uh, his, his parents, they were, from what he said, his parents were very supportive. That's they were like, you know, which, and of course, um, yeah, it's just because that still blows my mind. Like, they had to have thought, like, are you sure? Like, even that question, that's a big, that's a big switch. Yeah. So, but I, I'm, and Andrew, I'm fascinated by Andrew. Um, he's, you know, he's quiet, but he's not quiet. And I had asked people too, what question, you know, I, I sent out to like my haymakers people, uh, the people I've trained for fights. I'm like, you know, I'm going to be talking with Andrew. Do you have, what questions do you have? And they were just like, Jesus, you know, they, they didn't really know much about him. It's, it's, he's a man of mystery. Um, and it's, it's, it's he's super interesting. He's just, he's definitely, Julie's an open book. I, you cannot listen to the podcast and not every episode. I think a listener will fall a little bit more in love with Julie. She's just, <laughs> you cannot help but fall in love with Julie. She's just incredible. That's awesome. So and, what, what are your plans for it going forward? I mean, do you, how long do you have a certain number of episodes? Yeah, we're, we're, you know, we're, we're, we're in season one and the first official, so that's the, that, that was the kickoff episode. The first real episode, we talked with this woman, Nicolette, who, uh, she fought in Haymakers, uh, Nicolette's son had died of cancer and we, 
talk to her about, you know, her involvement with Haymakers, her fight, her connection to the cause um, and things about her son. And, you know, it was that was a heavy episode. Uh, and, you know, so we talked to different people who are involved in the organization as either fighters or um, some of the gyms, just people involved peripherally with Haymakers. Uh, it's, 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 it's an interesting conversation. It is at times really funny. At times it's really heartbreaking. Um, you know, and they're hard questions to ask too sometimes because it's, you know, how do you, you know, how do you ask someone? So when your mother died, how did you boom, 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 right. you know, it's, it's, it's a hard, they're hard conversations. It's fun. with a question like that. Anybody who's ever been through anything that traumatic, you know, on a Tuesday, you might answer that question one way. And on a Wednesday, mm. you, might, you, you might be in a totally different space. There's no yeah. linear path to recovery from, from that sort of tra tragedy. So it's, right. it's, it's tough. It's tough to ask somebody around that really feel what they're willing to discuss on that day, you know, what their where their comfort where their comfort level is with sharing and something you really got to feel out in the moment. Right. It's tricky. So um speaking of someone who really um can be sensitive in the moment, Howard Stern. <laughs> <laughs> um I had so Howard Stern was somebody who when I was a kid, I always appreciated he was there and I always mm -hmm. thought that what he was doing was important, but I never really was into his his particular brand of sense of humor but I always was glad that he was there. And mm. um, I really appreciate what he's grown into um, now. I think it's, um, I'm, it's impressive. There's so much of him now that's been out there and to, to see somebody's career arc like his is pretty impressive. Yeah. You know, and just his evolution of, as a person, you know, I remember reading private parts in high school. I'm sure like he could write an entirely different book now. You know? Yeah. So yeah. How did he come in? How, how did he come into your uh, peripheral? So when Howard came to Boston, I forget what year it was, but I remember it, I was listening to BCN and it was BCN. at night. Yeah, BCN. And it was April 1st and it was at night and Howard was on. And I remember thinking, maybe this is an April Fool's joke. Like, why is Howard Stern on a Boston? Because things in radio changes tend to happen like. Yes, yeah. it's like all of a sudden someone's been there for 20 years is gone, gone. and it's like they, they throw a cake at him on the way out the door. Yeah. And then, then they tell the people listening right after that. You know? Yeah. So I really I thought he was hysterical. I, I the years that I, I missed the angry, how not missed as in longed for I the angry Howard years that a lot of people remember him for uh, weren't when I was into him. When, you know, having Sirius for many years, Sirius Satellite Radio, and listening back when they play the best of or old stuff, like you can hear, he's a different guy then. Did he have a TV uh, show before he had a radio show? He, no, but he, the TV show, what well, there was the Channel 9 show, but he had the radio show first. Okay, cool. All right, got it. Yep. So, but that was, you know, that was something as well. Yeah, um, I, I sort of, that kind of sticks in my head. And I was yeah. pretty young back then. And I, I've never saw the Channel Nine show. I just know of you know. I it's funny as soon as you said that because I, I haven't listened to Howard in a while, but I re, you know I again it was one of those things I was obsessed with him. I wanted to learn everything I could, uh, and just listening all the time. I just became there's a certain period that I'm very I, I, I understand with about him. I was obsessed with radio as a kid. That's what I thought I was going to really? do for my entire life. I had a radio show in the eighth grade. I was in, in at uh I was in, at one of two high schools in the state that had a radio station. Oh wow! So I had a radio show, and the guy, the kid I had it with, is still working in radio to this day. 
Oh, that's um, funny. Uh, Adam Schneider down in, in the Georgia area, but okay. um, and but yeah, and I that's what I thought I wanted to do forever, and then I transferred out of that school the next year, but. <laughs> And I was obsessed with it. it. To me, I came from such a small town that it was real. And I didn't have cable until I was 21. It was my only outlet to really the outside town? world. Hopkinton. But back okay. then, it was like, it was a small enough town. You only had to dial five numbers if you wanted to call yeah, someone yeah, across. Yeah. It was before EMC moved in. So it was, okay. I only had 88 kids in my graduating class. So. Oh, wow. So like, there was no, I had about five stations and it was like Golden Girls reruns. And I'd seen all those a million times. And then... It was the radio, and the radio was really my only way. I remember it was Loveline in particular. Listening to Loveline was sort of like, oh, there's another world out there, mm. you know, and there's like people talking about things that you don't hear in any other part of the media and treating them seriously. And yeah. to me, that was a huge eye awakening, eye opening thing that, oh, like these people seem, I, there's, there's definitely people out there more like me, you know. Mm. You know, and I got yeah. that from hearing people, you know, send in their horrible, like, you know, sex and drug questions. I'm like, oh, these are my folks, you know. <laughs> but, but yeah, so with Howard, um, what, what period was it really for him? So it was really, I, I'm trying to remember what year, probably like in, in the 90s or whenever he first came to Boston. And I just, you know, I, w I thought he was so funny and so smart. And when he would interview people, I loved how he would interview people. I loved that long format because yeah. no one else was doing that. There was no long format of interviews. It was always, you know, you get so-and-so with Johnny Carson. I'm a lot older than you. Right. You I get, remember Johnny you know, Carson too. Though. Okay. Yeah. So you get someone, you know, sits on the, you know, sits on the couch with Johnny Carson. They get like five minutes ish right. and then that's it. And, and even that was more of a real interview than you get now, because now it's like any question that like Jimmy Fallon is asking a guest right. has already been run by their publicist behind. Right. You know, it's like, yeah. And it's like it, when you see that next to the, the podcast type style interviews now, you get, there's a real stark difference. You're like, yeah. oh, this is the person here doing a marketing job. They're not there being interviewed. Right. And Howard would just, you know, the interviews were so sincere, you know, and it's just the, there, there were the, you know, aside from some of the, you know, some of the questions you're like, oh my God, but some right. of them were just like, like when it was serious, they were, it was just, it was just so good. And I'm like, I, I want to do something like that. You know, I, 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 there's something there that I really, or I just, I liked that the honesty, um, I, I like that unabashed honesty with, uh, amongst strangers. I think I'm yeah. fascinated by that. And I, I really, I appreciate that. And yeah. I, I, I want to be in that. And that is a phenomenon, too. Like I mentioned before about how, you know, there are people I talk to online that I've either never met in real life mm. or really met. You can still have serious conversation with them. It's like there is something about that connection between strangers that is pretty powerful and can be life changing for others. And the radio is a great example of that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it comes into your house and it feels like they're talking directly to you. Yeah. And it's it's. And it's all on their time, their timetable. Yeah. Know? Those days before, like the clear channels of the world bought out all of radio were pretty like we I talked on a different episode about 88.9, the Emerson station and the hip hop show they had for years. That was life changing. I, I, rem I remember being a kid and listening, you know, with my boom box and, you know, hit play and record yep. and listening to 88.9 because they would they would have like songs that you couldn't get anywhere else. Yeah. That's probably the first time I heard Tribe Called Quest and like Master oh, wow. Ace and like Intelligent Hoodlum and all these like 
um it's just it, i still have those tapes i actually made my girlfriend for christmas this year she got i got her this this big stereo with like a turntable and cds and a tape deck and everything all in one and she didn't have any tapes so i made her a tape based off of all of my old radio tapes and i was putting a genesis song on at the um jesus he loves me and he knows um and it's like there was a the, the tape was all warped so it cuts oh, out at a certain wow. point and there okay. wasn't enough room for it at the end so she only got like half the song anyway <laughs> i'm like but it's the charm of it <laughs> that's like, funny and i'm like in every song did a different volume <laughs> <laughs> like I don't know if she saw the same level of nostalgia I had for that nonsense. <laughs> That's funny. But um, so did so, so obviously that was a long time ago. Is it? It's always been something in the back of your head that you maybe wanted to explore. Yeah, it it was. Yeah, it's just something. You know, as I would go through, like it was always something. You know, the the idea of doing a podcast. You know, obviously, would Howard Stern was a big influence on the reasoning why, you know, his stories about getting in the radio, um, his interactions, his way too that he could, you know, you can be a certain way on a microphone that you can't in person. Right. And, you know, I, I can relate to that, you know, I can relate to how he is on the mic and then how he is in his private life, or at least how he says he is. Yeah. And, you know, I definitely could appreciate that. And just uh, the, the way that he does it, you know, it's, it's that, that's sort of, it just influenced me and in how I want to, you know, I want to be honest and I want to be, I don't want it to be a marketing kind of thing. Right. And I don't want it to be, you know, you know, Hey, listen to do, uh, yeah. yeah. You know, just like, uh, you know, that kind of thing. 15 across the hour is 45 before the hour. It is right. 36 degrees in Cambridge, 37 degrees in Boston. <laughs> I remember when I was in college, a buddy of mine was, was a communications major, had a radio show. And he's like, you know, do you want to come? I'm like, yeah. And I froze. I remember sitting there and he's like, he's trying to do some kind of um, like not shtick shtick, but like, you know, trying to do, I can't think yeah. of the word for it. And I, I, think I shtick's just, shtick's the right word. <laughs> okay. And I, I, I just, I couldn't, I'm like, I froze and I'm like, well, there goes that idea. Yeah. It is weird because there is a certain degree of that, like, if someone, if someone takes a picture of you and is going to videotape you and be walking across the room, you've never yeah. thought about walking so much yeah. in your life. Right. And you're like, wait a minute, how do I know how to walk? Is this, is this, somebody's not, there's no one here to show me how to walk. And there's a little bit of that with the radio and you never really know. Like, that, you know, that, that's how I am like on fight nights when, when I, uh, on the in like in a tournament or something if i'm walking you know if you get the the privilege of walking your fighter out sometimes you just you know you just go but like sometimes yeah. they like you do a walkout and it's always like oh crap because you know I, I you know you got your your buckets your rags and you get like people everyone's watching and it's on a video and it's yeah. just it's really like oh crap i gotta oh here's out. a good question for you what is your right if you had if you had theme if you had music playing for you coming in the ring what would be your ideal theme song what a, you know that is such a great question um and every time i hear a cool song that i like i'm like oh my god that would be my theme song yeah um you know i'm gonna pull up my phone i'll, I'll tell you because i'm gonna go it's, it's i'm sure it's a song that i just recently downloaded <laughs> Let's see. Oh, okay. <laughs> One would be, uh, we started watching um, Peaky Blinders. Oh, that's a great show. So I like yeah. the that that red right hand. I oh, dig. Oh, yes. Is that so, Nick, but, K, Nick 
Yes, um, yes, it's Nick, Nick Cave and the Batsies. Yes, yeah. I was going to so call it, him Nick Cage, and then I, if, then I go to Nick Drake, and then I'm like, wait a minute, somewhere in the middle. <laughs> if I were in a, if I were in the red corner, that's what I would want because you get the red glove, red yeah, hand. Yeah. Um, and oh, um, down on the street from the Stooges. Oh, Stooges. So that that would be. That would you be go, my you're first going, pick. You're going past the more the um the probably the more obvious church, which is um Search and Destroy by the Stooges. Uh, like that's that was one of my warm up songs for the that one season of JV basketball I played in high school. Okay. Um the um for me I always think of it in terms of pro wrestling because I can't even imagine myself getting into a real competitive fight with somebody. I, now even my fantasies, my fantasies have to even be be pretending. Mm -hmm. um and it would be um if i was a heel I'd, it would be kick him when he's down by the offspring that's that's my song <laughs> that's a good one yeah i i, I do love that song so, um so what do you so what do you wh where do you see yourself and like where do you want to go with this now like i mean you, you obviously you're, you've got a few irons in the fire and it seems like you're living the life you want to live yeah you know, where do you want to grow it from here I, you know, I want to do, I'm, I'm hoping for Haymakers, I'm hoping that podcast is successful and, you know, season two, season three, like I, I want to continue with that because I, I love those people and I love working with them and I love being a part of it. Um, I would also like to, at some point, start my own podcast where I want to talk to, you know, I want to talk to amateur boxers. Um gym owner, you know, but I, I want to talk to some boxing people, uh, Muay Thai people as well. You know, I was doing Muay Thai for a while and th those people are really interesting too. So, so you know, somehow I, I'm, I'm going to figure out a format for that as well. I still want to train, you know, I want to train fighters. I want to train people how to box. Um, you know, I, I want to be able to do both. So I want those those sort of two lines of business. I want podcasting and I want to keep training people. Yeah. And that's where too, like all the different places that you um you hired Gunbat, those are all mm. people you could talk to on a podcast. Yeah. Everybody yeah. has their own stories. And yeah. You know, these days it's about finding a niche, like finding, you know, there's there's an there's a there's a bunch of people who are probably thinking some of the same same things you are. So you can find mm. them. It's a great community. You know? Yeah. You know, it's I think everybody's got a story to tell. Um, my, you know, again, it's selfishly, my interests are that people who right now, people that strap on gloves, tr you know, train their asses off and then punch people and get punched in the face. I'm fascinated with those people. It blows my mind because I, to, um, you you trained me a little bit only over Zoom during yeah. quarantine. Um, don't expect to see me any fights. And you're a great trainer. <laughs> Thank I should you. mention that you motivated me very much. I still, I basically was at a point where I only did the elliptical and I was like, mm -hmm. I need an elliptical for my upper body. And mm -hmm. I'm like, Oh, punching sounds like a good thing. And you really motivated me. And it's something I've, I've stuck with. And, That's um, nice to hear. Thank you. Yeah. So I would definitely recommend you to anybody who wants to, uh, to learn how to punch people in the face. I, I can't imagine <laughs> the, I, I've been, I mean, I've been in like scuffles in like junior high. It's like, I, and I have like, I've broken up some fights in my day, but I, I haven't been in like a fight probably mm -hmm. ever and I'm, I'm i'm cool with that i spent a lot of money on my invisalign <laughs> and you know, the, the one of one of the things too is people that pick up the violin or the guitar doesn't mean that you're gonna you know be in a band or play in a concert there's this there's just learning how to play 
And it's the same thing. I love the people when people come to me that like, well, I don't want to fight. I want to learn. I'm like, yeah, you know, those people I adore because it's like, it's, there's the, the art and science of how to box. And you don't have to fight. You don't have to get into a ring. You don't have to ever punch someone or get punched. You can learn the craft and the skills and do it all. And, and that is one of my favorite things to, to, to impart to people, to teach people. I love teaching people how to box. It's a satisfying workout too. It's, yeah, it's, it's a um, great workout. You feel like you've done something. Um, there's a, the little element of like, you know, I do my own workout. I've never really worked with a trainer before. So having somebody that sort of blows the whistle and tells you that your last easy day was yesterday is, is always <laughs> you know, a little beneficial. Like and, that. um, but it's, uh, it's, it is a really great workout mentally and physically, and it works your entire body. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I still have my, I actually, it's funny. I have to pull down one of the first things I'm going to do after we're done here is I'm shooting a music video in my basement where I have my heavy bag up. And it's been up since I hung it as a hundred pound heavy bag. I hung it up myself, which wow. I'd never done that before. And that right. was, and, I, and that was, I've never been more proud of anything in my life because it was during quarantine. Nobody was coming to, to see me. I'm like, yeah, I guess yeah, it's yeah. going up. I'm doing it. Nice. And so now we have to unhook it because we're shooting a video in that room and um, we'll have to put it back up right after. <laughs> I mean, getting, it's like, that was putting up the brackets and stuff. Now it's just like, you know, yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. Now it's just, yeah, taking it down and up. But yeah, I, I've never, this is the first time I've got to brag publicly about that bag on myself. So I decided to slide that in and take it because I was pretty proud of myself. <laughs> I can't believe That's I didn't kill myself. Very cool. Yeah. So, um, so anything else you want to talk about while we're here? Um, I, uh, you know, I think I'm good. Wait, this has been an absolute pleasure, man. It's um... I'm I'm really glad that that you invited me to do this. You know, I was excited. You know, I look at, you know, your podcast is for artists. And, you know, I look at what I do as a sort of art. And so yeah, I was definitely. really, I was really excited. I'm like, yeah, just to be a part of this. So because I asked you on before I even knew you had a podcast. So this wasn't yeah. just because you're doing no, a podcast. No, no, no. This I... was right. This was about, yeah, you had asked me way before that. Yeah. Right. And it's about passion too, because it's like, there's so many artists out there who are scared to make the jump and just yeah. seeing anybody who can make the jump and find, you know, a net, like it's, it's inspiring to people. Yeah. So, all right, man. Well, good luck with the podcast. Good luck Thank with the, the boxing. And we're going to have your social media underneath your name through this. Perfect. So um, people will be able to find you. So it's Great. been a pleasure, man. Tim, thank you very much. All right.